Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletics Can't Wait Jets podcast, your nonstop shop for all things Jets. Now here are your hosts, Tim McMaster and Connor Hughes. Listen safely. Can't wait. Welcome back to the Can't Wait podcast. It is Tuesday, December 7th, and we are recapping another Jets loss, 33-18 to this time to the Eagles. Tim McMaster here along with Connor Hughes and Marissa Morris. This actually the type of loss I was kind of expecting coming into the season more than the embarrassing blowouts they've had where they were in it in the first half fell apart in the second half saw some progress from the quarterback we'll get to all of that we'll talk about the defense and its breakdown we'll talk about the draft and where they're at as well um we'll talk a lot about zach wilson connor meanwhile mac jones on monday night yeah passes through three passes completed two of them for less than 20 yards i mean you got to give credit to the patriots just for the the thinking that they do, right? They're, the weather's going to be bad. The wind's going to be crazy. We're going to go up to Buffalo and we're going to run the ball on every single play. You know, what's what's wild, Tim, is like when this game was like, I've, I've been following the Bills because I do like Josh Allen. Like he's one of the quarterbacks in the NFL that, that I'm, I, I like a lot. You know, there's always a couple out there that I, I have an irrational love for, you know, like a while back. It was Carson Palmer. I liked him a lot. I like Chad Henney a lot. You know, there's just random quarterback. Covered like. Chad Henney in high school, by the way. Did you really? We go way, we go way back. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Wilson High School and uh, outside of Philly. There you go. There you so go. I, uh, Josh Allen's one of the ones that I just like him. I got, I like Josh Allen as a quarterback. So I've been following the Bills and, and following Josh Allen's career and, and saw him bro- blow up and break out last week or last season and, and thought that Allen was an MVP favorite. I thought that Allen was. Uh, and the Bills were a Super Bowl favorite, and and that's the direction that this team was going to go. And when the Patriots started winning these games as of late and as of recently, I really never put too much stock into it because I was like, ah, you know, yeah, they've beaten some good teams, but you know, they they took down the Titans without Derrick Henry, and they did all these little things. Everyone's like, oh, the Patriots are back. I was like, you know, wait till they play a true legitimate contender because when they play a true legitimate contender, I think you're going to see Mac Jones come way back down to earth. I think you're going to see that offense come way back down to earth, and I think you're going to see a team that is good defensively but get beat down. And instead they went into Buffalo. They went into the elements. They went into against a team against the bills that is supposed to be the Super Bowl favorite. And they beat them and they punched him in the mouth. And yeah, it was a close game. And Josh Allen had a couple drives down there, but the Patriots won doing what the Patriots or won the way that the Patriots won so early in Tom Brady's career. And that was with serviceable, decent game managing quarterback play and then a very, very, very good stifling defense. And the fact that the Patriots are now nine and four, I think that says a lot. And the fact that the Bills are seven and five shows that team's crumbling. I mean, they really are falling apart at the seams. And, and I think it was maybe a case of a team that drank a little too much of their Kool-Aid going into the season. I think it was a case of a team that maybe believed uh, they were just going to show up, run through, get to the playoffs and, and have an easy trip to the Super Bowl and then worry about what team they face in the NFC later. But the way that this season has gone... The Bills are spiraling. 
I mean, the Patriots are the best team in the AFC East. I don't know if the Patriots are the best team in football because the Chiefs suddenly are playing some pretty decent ball right now. But it is fascinating to see both the Bills' demise and New England's resurgence. And, you know, everyone kind of got on Bill Belichick, and I'm sure I might have been one of them, uh, for for the way that that season went for them last year, that seven and nine year, the way that things just didn't necessarily work for them. Um I think maybe we should be praising Bill Belichick for his ability to win seven games with Cam wow. Newton for the majority of them because Cam Newton, as we've seen in Carolina, is a washed-up shot quarterback. I mean, he was at one point one of the most athletic, physically imposing players in the NFL, but right now he's just not. I mean, he was never a great passer, so now he's not a great passer, not all that, not all that athletic, not that quick. I mean, he's still big and can make some plays, but – He's not an every week starter. I'm sorry. There are 32 quarterbacks better than Cam Newton in the NFL, and you're seeing why. They lost to Washington. They lost the ugly game the next week to who did they play? I forget who they played the next week. Was it was it the Patriots? I mean, who beat the hell out of them the week after they lost to Washington? Do you guys know off the top of your head? Um, live Googling. The Panthers played the Dolphins. That was it. The Dolphins beat the shit out of them. And I mean, they made Cam Newton look like a bum. Like he got he got straight up benched. So I mean, it was like to see the Cam Newton now that everyone kind of thought Cam Newton was and the fact that uh, Belichick was able to win seven games with that quarterback plus half of his defense opting out last year, I mean, it's a testament to him. And, and we'll, we'll, everyone's always going to have the argument of like Belichick, Brady, Belichick, Brady. I think it's, it's pretty simple. I mean, Bill Belichick is the greatest coach to ever live. Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback to ever live. And when you put the greatest coach and the greatest quarterback together, you win six Super Bowls. I mean, that's, that's ridiculous and unheard of and, and pretty remarkable. So, uh, I was one of the last people to say like the Patriots are back. I was one of the last people to really believe in new England and bill Belichick and what this team's capable of doing this year. But at this point with that defense and, and a game managing quarterback, who's going to avoid the turnover, who knows what the hell they're going to do. Maybe we are trending towards a Belichick Brady Super Bowl. I mean, I know the NFL would be like absolutely drooling over the possibility of that, but um, it's, it's pretty wild, honestly, to see what, see what new England's doing. The fact that they were able to go into a game and game plan so well, they were like, we're just not going to throw the ball and still win. Hat tip to them. Really hat tip to them. And, and it's kind of a, a also a criticism of the Bills, the fact that you were home, you had the weather report, you were practicing there in Orchard Park, and you still had basically no idea. They had 11 days. They played on Thanksgiving. Yeah. yeah and, and I'll be honest with you, I don't think it would have mattered. I mean, you could have had perfect weather, and I think the Patriots still beat the Bills. Honestly, I think that's that's how bad this team's kind of fumbling and rumbling right now. Yeah, and you talked about the offense, but the defense was just, I mean, I know they only scored 14 points, but the fact that the Patriots continued to somewhat run the ball successfully that entire game, despite basically telling them, we're just going to do this every play. It was it was shocking. All right, back well, to the yeah, Jets. I mean, it 20, like Stevenson, 24 carries, 78 yards, 3.3 a pop. But when you're running every play, that's not that every bad. Play. Bolden right. was the averaging seven yards a carry. Harris averaged, well, I mean, you take away the Harris 64 the yards, one. nine for four. So he's probably averaging four, four something yards a carry. So look, I mean, they, they did what they had to do to win a game. And at the end of the day, that's all that matters. So I know Jet fans, like, they're going to get all up in arms about Mac Jones and Zach Wilson. Like, oh, Ma all Mac Jones does is check it down. All he does is throw short. He never takes any chances. He never stretches the field, never puts the ball in harm's way. New England's nine and four doing that. So maybe that's what Zach Wilson should do too. He like threw the ball rip. three times. <laughs> well, I'm talking about before this game. Like I'm talking I know, about before I'm this game. I'm just saying, I'm just saying. But like, you want to like, call him McCorkle. I think that's actually like my new favorite. Um, you McCorkle? know, that is his name. Michael McCorkle, Mac Jones. Um, well, that's his name. That. Yeah. That's his middle name. Or his um, last name. 
No, that's his middle name. Michael McCorkle, and then Mac is his nickname, Jones. Jones. Huh. Yeah. That's cool. So I think we should just start calling him McCorkle. That's McCorkle. what the Joe Biscaglia well, and our Buffalo beat uh, was. I'm only like Jones. three sips into my coffee, so we're not going to start changing up names <laughs> on me right now. But I will say that like you can't rip a team that is nine and four. You really can. I know the, the the Jets are taking a day. You know, the Patriots spent a lot in free agency and the Jets are taking the more methodical approach. But the Patriots spent and the Patriots drafted their young quarterback. They surrounded him with talent. They're not asking him to do too much. And they've won nine games this year in a difficult division because the Dolphins suddenly look like a pretty good team. The Bills, obviously, yeah, they're crumbling, but but they're a pretty good team. And the fact that New England has won nine games in this division, I think, or nine games this season, is it's it's impressive. Like it, it is very impressive. And, and they're absolutely a team to be feared uh, moving forward, in my opinion. The Jets have won three games this season, losing again on Sunday. Um, let's start. We'll talk about the defense in a little bit, uh, but let's start with Zach Wilson. Uh, the Zach Wilson report card. We should have a, we should officially name that this segment from now on. Right. We'll just yeah. give a report card on Zach Wilson to start every show. Uh, if I was to grade him, Connor, I think I think I would go. C plus C I'd be better than I'd be higher than you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, the first half was good. First half was solid. The first uh, half was the of, best football I've seen him play. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So the, I think the telling part about the first half, um, obviously the, the completion percentage 12 for 14, but 12 completions for 108 yards, which just shows he was taking the short stuff. He was taking what the defense gave him. He checked down a couple of touchdowns in there. So let's start there. We can do the good, the bad, the ugly, the good, was first half Zach Wilson. Oh, un, 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 r- ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, I, I said at one point, and, and Robert Salas said this after the game, he said this was, uh, he said his footwork was amazing. He said this was the best that he has played, uh, paraphrasing slightly, but within the structure of the Jets offense. And what he means is that for the first time, Zach didn't try to do too much. He didn't try to play hero ball. In fact, I only saw him maybe two or three times try to pull that hero ball out of his hat, and it was when, the game was out of out of control and, and the Jets needed plays and it was on Zach Wilson to go out there and try to make something happen. And you saw in that first half, you saw in those first two quarters, a quarterback that was going through his read progressions. I think one of the, the most impressive things that I saw and one of the things that, that I was like, okay, he's starting to, to try to put uh, theory into practice was there was a swing pass to Ke- Tevin Coleman on the left side. And a week ago, he flings a what Salah calls a little rocket at Tevin Coleman in the flat, and it goes high and behind him, and it's incomplete. This time, Tevin Coleman was in the flat, and you saw Zach take something off it. And I will admit that it was a little painful watching him like cognitively say, don't rifle this one in there, and kind of like slowly go. And which I think is one of the reasons why the pass wasn't all that accurate was because you were you could kind of tell he was saying, like, not just fling it, like, okay. Just put this one in there softly, mm-hmm. put it in there softly, and it kind of probably threw him off a little bit. But he got it to him. Coleman caught the pass, ran up a little bit. On the same drive, when the Jets scored the touchdown to Elijah Moore, Elijah Moore's in the back of the end zone open. It doesn't need 100 miles per hour. He just needs to get the ball there. So you saw Zach Wilson took a little bit off it and put it there. That's probably the first time we've seen him do that. So when you take that throwing maturation – and you combine it with playing within the structure of the offense, what you get is an offense that against a pretty good Eagles defense. They're not great. They're not amazing. They're not top 10, but they're a solid, one of the better defenses they've played over certainly over the last couple of weeks. And he moved them up and down the field in that first half. I mean, this was the first time I think Rich had the Rich Samini had the stat. It's like the first time they've scored 
touchdowns on three consecutive possessions since 2014. And it was the game against the Packers where it was the, that was obviously the infamous Sheldon Richardson, Sheldon Richardson timeout game, but it was a Geno Smith led offense that scored touchdowns on three consecutive possessions or three possessions to start the game. I mean, they were on fire. And at one point I said during it, I was like, wow, man, like we're going to see a shootout. Like we might actually see one of those games that I always like kind of talk about on social media where I'm like, man, I would love to cover this game. I would love to cover this kind of a shootout. I would love to cover like the Chiefs and Rams from a couple of years ago when you see Pat Mahomes and Justin Herbert go at it, or even that Bengals Chargers game where it's exciting and it's and it's impactful and the quarterbacks are trading blows and the receivers are making plays and the running backs are making plays. We're gonna see that. And for 30 minutes, we did. I mean, Zach Wilson, it, coincidentally, is against Gardner Minshew. Zach Wilson, Gardner Minshew going at it toe for toe, exchanging blows, exchanging punches. It was fun. And I think the one thing that we've said over the last few weeks is that when the Jets were losing those games early in the season, there was so much criticism and so much negativity and so much bad feels because the quarterback looked so poor. It was the Jets were losing and Zach Wilson looked bad. If the Jets lose games the, the, to close out this season, but Zach continues to look like he did against this opponent, against this in this game against the Eagles, that's when suddenly the feel of this team is going to start to change because he was as good. I mean, he made more splashy big plays. Like you saw more of the arm talent against Tennessee. But as far as playing quarterback, this was the best I've seen Zach Wilson play quarterback ever. That goes back to the preseason. That goes back to training camp. That goes back to OTAs. That go back, goes back to minicamp. That first half, those 30 minutes were the best easily I've seen him play quarterback this season. And, and I don't think it was close. Footwork was perfect. Played within the structure of the offense perfect. Took what the defense gave him. Didn't take the deep shot, but he didn't have to take the deep shot because, again, they moved up and down the field on every possession, so he didn't have to do those things. The run game was in there. The pass game was in there. The RPOs were in there. Everything. It was – it was uh, it, it had the makings of a game that was going to be a wow performance, really. It had a game that was that had the makings to be like, wow, we might see something special today, and, and unfortunately then the, uh, the third quarter came. Well, and unfortunately for the third quarter, he didn't really have the ball because the Jets had the ball for 70 seconds. Now, obviously, that would have been longer if he had gotten a first down and this and that. But, I mean, the defense just couldn't get off the field. The Jets have the ball for a minute and 10 seconds for an entire quarter. It's crazy. And, and I feel like that took all the air out of the offense and, and any momentum they had going. Um, the fourth quarter, the interception was ugly, but you're going to have those. You know what? It's, yeah. it's fine. Like, at this point in his career, if he's going to throw one of those, you kind of chalk it up to, okay, that's the one that he can look back on the film and say, what did I do wrong here? Um, now going forward, Connor, things get a little trickier because Corey Davis has been his guy. We've talked about it a lot. He's been the guy he looks for. He's missed some time and now he's done for the year, which is going to cause, it may end up being a good thing. Zach's going to have to look at everyone else, but how do you think that affects him going forward? I, I don't, I mean, it's not, it's not like the Jets just lost, you know, Jamar Chase. It's not like right. the Jets just lost Cooper Cup. You know, it's it's not like they just lost one of these premier top five, top ten receivers where it's like, man, what are they going to do? You know, Corey Davis, I think, from the moment the Jets signed him, was what I would characterize as a good receiver. Like, he's a very good receiver. He's a very good receiver, which is why he's probably best as an offense as number two. And when they signed him, I remember originally thinking, like, you know what? I kind of look at this as, like, when the Jets brought in Eric Decker. And then the next year was when they got Brandon Marshall. And when you paired Eric Decker and Brandon Marshall, you had the best Jets offensive production with Fitzpatrick under center. 
that probably they've seen in a very, very, very long time. You know, De- Marshall set basically every single uh, touchdown record, but Decker still had double digit touchdowns and a thousand yards himself. I mean, they worked within each other and you had the big play X receiver and Brandon Marshall. And then you had the route runner, reliable number two, you know, the Batman Robin type combination with Brandon Marshall and, and Eric Decker. Corey Davis is Eric Decker. He's not Brandon Marshall. So, and this season he struggled with some drops. He hasn't been as productive. He's been battling some injuries, you know, those kind of a things. So it's going to hurt not having him out there because, and I, I say this obviously knowing about the drops, but he is a very reliable player in terms of he's always going to be at the right place where he's supposed to be. You know what I mean? So like, for example, if, if the out route is supposed to be run at nine and a half yards, He's not running at nine. He's not running it at 10. He's not running it at eight. He's running it at nine and a half yards. If he's supposed to go eight yards up and curl to the left, he's going eight yards up and curling to the left. He's not going seven and a half. He's not going eight and a half. He's not going nine. He's going the exact distance, turning around the exact spot. And he's going to be where he is. He is because the jets don't have a, a reliable tight end on this team or really any semblance of a tight end on this team. He is the safety blanket for Zach where You'll have Keelan Cole kind of do a little freelancey stuff. You'll have Jamison Crowder do a little freelancey stuff. You'll have Elijah Moore just because he's young, not necessarily be as pristine in his route running as he will be in two or three, one, two, three years because he'll get better. Corey Davis was the one like, okay, I know where he's going to be. And I think that's why early in the season you saw the Jets and Zach Wilson specifically rely so heavily on getting the ball to Corey Davis. It was in a way tunnel vision, but it was tunnel vision because he was like, you know what of everyone I'm out here with right now, I know Corey's going to be where he's supposed to be. So Zach would lock in on Corey, stare at Corey and not come off Corey. He would, that's why you saw him hitching the ball was because he was waiting for Corey to get open, not saying, okay, Corey didn't win on his route this time. Let's go. Elijah. Let's go. Jameson. Let's go. Keelan. Let's go. Griffin. Let's go running back in the flat. It was Corey, Corey, Corey. Okay. I have to leave. Boom. Sacked. You know what I mean? So, in a way, honestly, I don't think not having Corey is going to be a massive, massive blow. It's not like the Jets offense is going to go from like scoring on three consecutive possessions to looking completely anemic because Corey Davis isn't out there. If they look bad this week against the Saints, the offense is probably going to look bad because A, the offensive line breaks down depending on LDD, LDT can't play and Greg Van Roten's got to come back out there again. Or if Zach regresses some because he's a rookie and it's going to be a roller coaster of some highs, some lows, some highs, some lows. That's why the offense could potentially struggle against the Saints, not because Corey Davis is out there. And by not having Corey Davis out there, like you said, Tim, it does force Zach now to get other guys involved. It does force Zach to focus in on other players and work on going through his reads because suddenly, and we talked about this a little bit on Friday, actually, it's like when... Eli Manning lost Jeremy Shockey. It's like when Matt Stafford lost Calvin Johnson, not comparing Corey Davis to Calvin Johnson, but when Calvin Johnson was on there, Matt Stafford was like, I need to get the ball to Calvin Johnson. Offense, not saying I need to get the ball to Calvin Johnson. When Shockey was in there with a young Eli Manning, it was, I have to get Shockey the ball. I have to get Shockey the ball. Now there's no Corey Davis. So this is now Eli, uh, Zach Wilson is no longer thinking I got to get it to Corey. Corey's my guy. I got to get it to Corey. He's thinking, okay, I'm going to throw to the open guy. And if Ke- if that's Keelan, he's going to go to Keelan. If it's not Keelan, he's going to go to Elijah. If it's not Elijah, he's going to go to Crowder. If it's not Crowder, he's going to go to Griffin. Griffin caught a touchdown this week. I mean, he's going to go through his progressions. And I think in a way, it could benefit him 
the rest of the season because it will help him spreading the ball around. It will help him to continue to play within the offense. It can help him do all of these different things, which will make him a better quarterback. So next year when the Jets do get Corey Davis back, when they do add whom they believe is going to be a true X receiver, whether it's somebody in the draft or if they go hard after Devontae Adams, when the Jets get that, you'll see Zach Wilson have a better understanding of like, okay, this guy here, this guy here, and it'll help him mature. So honestly, if the Jets were a playoff contending team, if this was a team that was fighting for for a title like the Bills or, or like the Dolphins or, or like the, the Patriots, where they're fighting to get into the playoffs or trying to make a run, losing Corey Davis hurts. For a team that's trying to develop, get their young guys going, get their young guys to acclimate and, and move forward, I don't think it hurts as much. And and hell, maybe Jet fans will get what they've all desired this season, although that the battle cries have certainly come down. Maybe we'll get some more Denzel Mims with some free uh, Mims starting reps. Yeah, because that, that I mean, that's that's the position he played like Mims was behind Corey Davis. And in London, when the two were kind of both healthy before Mims got COVID and all that, when Davis came off the field, Mims went on. So maybe we'll get to see a, a lot of Mims, although you can see why he doesn't really play because he doesn't do anything like he's not a great route runner and and he's kind of just like we've said before he's a very linear player he's a fast athletic beast who's very good at running linear routes and this jets offense isn't about linear routes anymore be nice if mims flashed a little bit and they could trade him but i don't yeah. think that's gonna yeah. happen real quick uh, tim I, I do want to say like the the one thing and and just kind of about mims and this will kind of go toe to toe and this is this is not to defend joe douglas in any way shape or form because he needs to get better draft picks i mean the james morgan pick bad you know what I mean? The the um uh the defensive end they took Jabari Zuninga, bad. Like they like there are bad picks. Like Braden Mann, although I think that's probably because he's still dealing with that knee injury because he he was a really good punter last year and he was a really good punter to start this year. Hurt his knee and got hurt. But the thing that that the Jets are battling right now and and one of the reasons why you always replace coach and GM at the exact same time is that the coach and the GM can work together and the GM can draft for the coach for the coach's scheme. Joe Douglas in 2020 drafted for Adam Gase's scheme. That's why P Ryan was going to be a great player for Adam Gase's offense because he worked within Adam Gase's running style. Denzel Mims was a great player for Adam Gase's offense because he's a linear player and Adam Gase wanted lin uh, receivers that were fast athletic beasts on the outside who ran linear routes. Those players are not fits within this offense, which is why you're starting to see Mims not see a ton of time. P Ryan, not see a ton of time. And, and that's, that's uh it's almost, I mean, the draft isn't a total wash, I wouldn't say, because you still hope that Becton, although it seems very much like that guy's probably not going to play the rest of the year based off what Salah said yesterday, but we'll talk to him again on Wednesday. Um, unfortunately you get this situation where it's like a, a draft class that could have been so valuable is now littered with players that probably were never going to be stars, but at least could have been contributors or potential starters. If they were within the scheme, that's best fit for their skill set that are now useless for, for this class. So it's, it's a, it's a shame. Uh, the other shame is the defense right now. We'll be with them, back with that after this. All right. The defense said before the game that they were coming and they very may well may be coming Connor, but maybe a year from now it's, it's a long road. You can see them way off in the distance, tiny speck on the horizon. The Jets defense is coming. All right, let's get into it. Um, I'll start here. A lot of the talk yesterday um, after practice, the, the Bryce Hall comments about not preparing for Minshew, and then Ulbrich came back and said, we prepared for the Eagles offense. Yeah. It seems like a lot of just talk that doesn't really matter because this – tell me if I'm wrong, Connor. This is the way I look at this. You certainly can't prepare for every possible quarterback. 
you prepare for the quarterback that you think is going to play and the quarterback you thought was going to play was Hertz. That said, Minshew playing instead of Hertz should have simplified things for this Jets defense. Suddenly you take an offense with a quarterback who's another running back and can get all this stuff done and you pare it down to a quarterback who's less mobile and is just going to do the basics of the offense. And it seemed like that made it harder for the Jets. That's the part I don't get. Minshew should have been easier after preparing for Hertz. Yeah, I'll, I'll take it as as a as two part. And the one one thing remind me to get to because we do need to talk about that because I think it's much ado about nothing. Um, but the second part of this is like the cries that I've seen everywhere now, like about the need to make a coaching change. Not Sala, um, Ulbrich, that Jeff Ulbrich needs to get out of there. So after we talk about this, we need to talk about like this. Should the Jets make a, a change at defensive coordinator? Um, so first off, we'll, we'll go over this like Jalen Hurts. Um, Jalen Hurts, Gardner Minshew thing. The Jets were well aware that Jalen Hurts had an ankle injury. They were well aware that there was the possibility that he could not play or would not play against them. If that happened, that meant that Gardner Minshew was going to go in. They knew, though, that the Eagles' hope was that Jalen Hurts was going to be able to go, Right. That's why the Eagles worked him out on the field on Sunday, hoping that he was going to be able to trend in that direction. Now, like obviously Jalen Hurts' people didn't really want him to go because they didn't want to risk further injury. They didn't see it as that as as worthy of, of it in this game. So you kind of had the Eagles who were hoping he was able to go. Jalen Hurts' people who didn't really want him to go. End of the day, he does not go. The Eagles do not have two different offenses. The Philadelphia Eagles have one offense, and it's the Philadelphia Eagles offense. Hoping that Jalen Hurts could play and then knowing that Gardner Minshew is the backup does not mean that the Eagles have this offense with Jalen Hurts, this offense with Gardner Minshew, and if Hurts can't go, it is a brand new offense. When Bryce Hall said the Jets prepared for Jalen Hurts, it means that they had it, they were preparing for some of the things that Jalen Hurts does well, but they were also preparing just for the Eagles offense. The plays that the Eagles run were not going to change if Minshew was in there as opposed to Hurts. Hurts, obviously, and this is where look, Bryce Hall is a second-year player, okay? He was not used to dealing with the media like he does, where he's basically become a weekly talker because his plays warranted being a weekly talker, but he wasn't used to this at college. So he's going to say things not totally realizing what they sound like because he's right. not – I mean, again, the kid, he's still a kid. Like, he was an, uh, an unknown, seldom-playing rookie last year and now he's a starter getting all this media attention. I mean, he's going to have to learn. The Jets are going to have to train him like, this is what you say, this is what you don't say. So it sounded very, very bad when he came out and said, we didn't prepare for Gardner Minshew, we prepared for Jalen Hurts. What he was trying to say, and what he meant to say, was that we prepared, and what Ulbrich said yesterday, was that we prepared for the Eagles' offense. We knew the, 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 and he got himself screwed up as well, where he's like, you know, they're pretty much the same quarterback. What he meant was that they've run pretty much the same <laughs> plays. Like clearly they are not the same quarterback. Like Jalen hurts is, is, is one of the more elusive runners, this side of Lamar Jackson. Like, I mean, Lamar Jackson might be the only quarterback or the only better running quarterback in the NFL than Jalen hurts is Lamar Jackson. I mean, uh, Jalen hurts is on pace for something like 900, I did the numbers, like 900, he was on pace for 984 rushing yards, which would have been the third most by a quarterback in NFL history. 
Gardner Minshew would have to run 984 times to get 984 rushing yards. Like it's, they're, they're different play styles. They do different things. But as you said, the plays that they ran with Jalen Hurts were the same plays they ran with Gardner Minshew, just instead of Jalen Hurts keeping it or instead of some quarterback designs, those plays were thrown out. The pass plays they ran with Minshew, same pass plays they ran with Hurts. The run plays they ran with Minshew, the same run plays they run with Hurts. The only difference is you took that X factor of the quarterback truly running around and getting those big chunk yards out of the equation, but it was the same offense. So they prepared for the Eagles offense because they couldn't put all of their eggs into preparing for Jalen Hurts, then have Minshew go. They couldn't put all of their eggs in the basket of Minshew and then have Hurts go. So they prepared for the Eagles offense, which they knew was not going to change. The defense sucked. The defense played really bad, but the defense didn't play really bad because they they prepared for Hurts. The defense played really bad because they are a bad defense and the Eagles were a matchup problem with their offensive line, with their run game. So no, I don't. I don't rip them. I think. I think in a way, that's a little bit of much ado about nothing. Like I. Th- I think it is. People just like the quotes look bad. As soon as like literally, I was standing next to Rich when Bryce Hall said that, and as soon as our tape recorders went off, we looked at each other like, "Yeah, he's gonna hear about that quote tomorrow." Like immediately, like it's gonna be Jared or it's gonna be Eric or it's gonna be Robert that are sitting him down, being like, "Okay, here's the thing. You can't say that. Like that's not that's not what you want to say because it sounds really really bad, and it does sound really really bad." But when you actually sit down there and think about it, the offense did not change. The jet, like Zach Wilson, can do a ton more stuff than what Joe Flacco can. The offense Joe Flacco ran two weeks ago and the one Zach Wilson's run the last two weeks is the exact same offense. It doesn't change, right? Like when Lamar Jackson went out and they replaced him with the, the I forget the kid who's behind him. It's not Robert Griffin anymore. It was a, a he's a new quarterback. The offense did not change. It's the same offense, just the quarterback might do different things to his skill set. But as you said, Tim, and to your point, not having Hurts in there made things easier for the Jets because now they did not have to worry about the running threat. They didn't. And Minshew is probably a more polished passer than Hurts is. He is. He's a more polished passer. Jalen Hurts is not a very good thrower of the football, but he makes up for it with his athleticism and running ability. That part of it, probably came into play a little bit, but not enough where it would completely wreck a game plan. It wouldn't. If anything, it simplified things because the Jets no longer had to worry about the quarterback running all the time. Yeah, I don't think that the game plan was, you know what, Hurts won't be able to throw to his tight end, so leave that guy wide open. No, correct, correct. And then, like, the other thing, too, and and, and we'll talk about this now because <clears throat> we had – I, it, it was the talk I've seen it and I've seen it in my mentions. I've seen it in my DMS. I've had some, some uh, jet fans that I know who like I've met through social media or I've, I've met along the way have texted me about like, Oh, you know, seeing, seeing the jets might move on from Ulbrich or the jets should move on from, from Jeff Ulbrich after the year. To me, that's like the, one of the more ridiculous suggestions that I've heard. I mean, the first three, four weeks of the season, we were talking about Jeff Ulbrich as if this continues, the guy's going to be getting head, head coaching interest. When the Jets' defensive line was all over the quarterback and the secondary was playing better than expected and they were you know, keeping them in games against the Patriots, you know, in spite of Zach Wilson's turnovers. They were keeping them in games against the, uh, the, the Carolina Panthers despite the offensive line's uh, incompetence at times. They were keeping them obviously tight and, and making stops against the, the, the – um, the Tennessee Titans and things of that nature. They, they kind of held the Atlanta Falcons after a slow start. They rallied to at least give the Jets a chance if the offense had played semblance. You know, we were talking about Jeff Ulbrich as 
wow, the Jets really got a, a decent player here or a decent coach here. He's still the exact same coach. It's still the exact same scheme that was working earlier in the year. The Jets do not have a coaching problem. The Jets do not have a scheme problem. The Jets have, and Robert Sala wouldn't say this yesterday because he's not going to say this because he's never he's a player's coach and he's not going to take this angle against the players. But the Jets have a player's problem. We've been doing this podcast twice a week since the football season started. We've been doing it once a week, every single week for the last two and a half, three years, however long we've been doing this thing for. We are, there are so, so, so many episodes of this show that you can go back and listen to. There are so many stories you can go up on The Athletic and read about how we knew that this defense, when it was fully healthy and completed on paper this offseason, was going to give the team problems. At best, if everyone reached their potential, it was probably an average unit. It was going to be average at best, this defense. They have since lost Carl Lawson, their best pass rusher. They've since lost Bryce Huff, their most disruptive defensive end. They've lost Sherwood and Hamza, two inside line or outside linebackers that they believed in. They lost LaMarcus Joyner, their starting safety. They lost Marcus May, their best and most un- only proven player in the secondary. This unit has been ravaged by injuries at the worst possible spot. And it happened a little bit before the season. It happened a little bit in week one. And then it's happened a little bits and pieces every single week since. You have guys like Ronnie Blair playing significant snaps. You've had to turn to guys, and it's worked out in this case, but you've had to turn to guys like Quincy Williams to be your new starting inside linebacker because of injuries to Jared Davis, which he admitted yesterday he's still not recovered from, who you claimed off the waiver wire. Now, it's worked in the case of Quincy Williams, but still, the Jets had to go to the waiver wire to find their starting inside linebacker. Brandon Eccles was supposed to be their starting corner. He's out. They've had to turn to Javelin Guidry and Isaiah Dunn. Guys like Ashton Davis, Elijah Riley, Isaiah Dunn, Javelin Guidry, Mike Carter, Ronnie Blair, Nathan Shepard. These are guys who are playing significant reps for the Jets. Significant reps for the Jets. They would not, seven players, they would not start on another team. So you have a coach in Ulbrich who is running Robert Sala's scheme from San Francisco, who is doing everything that he can to scheme and find ways to get this Jets defense to reach some level of competence, to get this Jets defense to play some level of good football. The problem is, is that the only fix for this Jets defense is not happening in weeks 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, or 17. It is not happening this month. It's not going to happen next month. The only fix for this Jets defense is coming in March and in May, and that's with free agency in the draft. The Jets need players on this defense. It was always going to be an average at best scheme, and then it has been decimated by injuries. And you're right. Every team gets hit by injuries. Every single team deals with injuries in the NFL. But the Jets' incompetence with drafting, and you can go from the Mike McCagden run to you can go to Joe Douglas's approach in 2020 and 2021 to go offense-focused, which was the right call, but the decision to go offense-focused in free agency in the draft the last two years has made it so that outside of the original on-paper starting 11, there's no depth. 
these other teams that you talk about that deal with injuries. Oh, the Chiefs deal with injuries. Oh, the Patriots deal with injuries. Oh, the Packers deal with injuries. How come they're still good in winning games? Because the Chiefs, Packers, Patriots have years and years and years of draft competence, not negligence, that when one player goes down, yeah, maybe the next player isn't as good, but it's somebody that's been in the system developing who's ready to then take over and fill in when the, when his time comes, when his name is called. Mike McCagden's run as general manager was arguably the worst five-year draft run in franchise history. I would put that five-year draft run up there with some of the best, worst drafts, I'm sorry, in NFL history for any team. The Browns blunders, the Lions blunders, McCagnan's blunders are as bad as those blunders. And you are still feeling those ramifications. In 2020 and 2021, when Joe Douglas took over, Joe Douglas took over and said, I need to fix this offensive line and this offense because you have to remember, like it's fun to watch Zach Wilson throw these, you know, the, the, the three straight possessions with touchdowns. It's fun to see what the Jets are doing right now with this current offense. When you see even Mike White have the game that he did and Elijah Moore looks good and you're getting some good running when he was healthy from Mike Carter and the offensive line, which suddenly looks pretty solid, right? Well, that's because Joe Douglas invested in 2020 and 2021 a substantial number of resources into fixing the offense. But when you put so many resources into one side of the ball, you kind of have to put the other side of the ball as, okay, we're going to fix that tomorrow. We have to do that today. You are seeing the results because of these injuries of that pushing. We'll fix the defense later. We have to focus on offense right now, which was the right call. There is no criticizing Joe Douglas for doing that. But by pushing the defense aside, you're seeing the ramifications of that. Because when Carl Lawson goes down and Bryce Huff goes down, there's no Mike McCagnan draft pick from 2015 through 2019 to fill in. There's no Joe Douglas draft pick from 2020 or 2021 to fill in because those resources went to the offensive side of the ball. When the Jets need a secondary, when they need a safety, there are very few resources there. The Jets had to sign somebody off of the Eagles practice squad and Elijah Riley, and he is now their starting safety. Like, I know Bo loves him, but at the end of the day, it's still Elijah Riley. He's their starting safety. And Ashton Davis, now you're starting to see him come along a little bit and develop with some playing time. But what you're like, the players are not there for this defense to be successful. The defense, when they had the vast majority of their starters absent, maybe Carl Lawson, you saw a pretty decent group those first three, four weeks of the season. Then the Jets started losing guys like Marcus May. They started losing guys like Bryce Huff. They started losing guys that were playing so well. And the reason, the reason this defense was able to exceed expectations early, they lost those players. And because of the draft incompetence, draft negligence, and the decision to go offense the last two years, there were not players there to fill in. This defense can be fixed. The Jets are hell-bent in their belief that it will be fixed this offseason. You only need one offseason, one uh, devotion of several draft picks, one solid free agent signing, and you can fix this defense. And the reason where you can believe in that is because next year, if they go out there and they sign J.C. Jackson from the Patriots and J.C. Jackson goes down, you're not turning to unproven, undrafted rookies. You're turning to... Brandon Eccles, who has played a substantial amount of his rookie year. Isaiah Dunn played a substantial amount of his rookie year. Javelin Guidry played a substantial amount the next two years. Those guys will have the experience. So when one guy goes down, no, they are not as good as J.C. Jackson. But they have experience and have played before where you now have depth. The issue that is plaguing this Jets defense is both a talent at the top issue and a talent deficiency at the depth positions. They don't have depth. So when you get hit with injuries, there's no one there to step in and fill up. 
It doesn't matter who you put on this defense. No defensive coordinator is going to have success in this current situation. Not the success that would warrant, oh my God, look how good he is. Every single defensive coordinator would struggle in this regard. The reason Robert Sala's defensive coordinator was able to have success in San Francisco when they were nailed with injuries last year was because they had been drafting well for the past three years. So when one guy went down, someone else was able to fill up. The Jets don't have that someone else because they haven't invested those resources in acquiring that player. So I know it's hard to say like, look, you just got to believe this. Yes, you're going to take your lumps this year, but it's going to be the future. You have to look towards the future. You're going to see the future. That's truly the case here. This team needs another free agency devoted to the defense. They need a draft devoted to the defense. And if they get those things, you will see suddenly Jeff Ulbrich's not some bum. You'll see him look like the defensive coordinator that was turning heads the first quarter of the season when he had players at his disposal before he started losing so many important players. So I know it's tough and I know everyone wants change. They want immediate gratification. They want immediate success, but that's just not going to happen. That's not going to happen for this team this year right now. The devotion that the Jets have made the last two years to the offensive side of the ball, it's why the Jets can lose someone like Corey Davis and not immediately be screwed. It's why they can lose someone like Makai Becton and not immediately be screwed. It's why they can trade away their starting tight end throughout the entire offseason and not be immediately screwed because that tight end sucked and everyone else on the defense sucked, so it was just varying degrees of sucked. But it's why they can lose someone like Mike Carter at running back and have Tevin Coleman and Ty Johnson fill in and not skip a beat. The Jets have been hit with just as many injuries on offense, but they have depth because they've devoted themselves in 2020 and 2021 to filling it out. So they can do that. They can sustain, they can sustain injuries and still survive. They haven't put those resources into the defense like they have the offense. So when they get those injuries, they are debilitating. They realize this. They know this, which is why this offseason, I can tell you this, this offseason, the priority number one is getting this defense rebuilt, is putting the resources into this defense, is having the defense match the offense in terms of the resources the team has put into it. But they can't do that right now. There's no one on someone else's. There's no more Elijah Riley's to go sign to help rat, like help positions. There's no more uh, draft picks that are coming right now. There's no one. If you think Blake Cashman, coming off the injured reserve is going to save this team. The guy's going to get hurt the first game he's back. I mean, I literally watched him like blow out his hamstring just by moving. Like there's, there's no relying on this at all. Like that you can't rely on, like you just like, that's not happening. But the fix for this defense, the fix for this defense is coming in March and May. Unfortunately, you've got to withstand performances like the Jets had against the Bills, like the Jets had against the Colts, like the Jets had against the Eagles. You're going to have to endure that now because the fix isn't coming in season. That's just one the of the fixes for that defense. Maybe the big defensive end out of Oregon. We'll see. We'll talk about that and more. Jeff, up Ol Jeff Ulbrich's not getting fired. That's the most asinine thing I've ever heard. Like Jet firing Jeff Ulbrich is not fixing this defense. Is the most Bill Belichick wouldn't fix this defense. They wouldn't like it's, it's not happening. So just firing Jeff Ulbrich is absurd. Firing Jeff Ulbrich is not happening. That's not it, it, you. If you hope it, if you want it, if you think it, they are not firing Jeff Ulbrich period. So it's just like, it's, it's, this isn't his problem. This isn't the, the jets issues on defense are not a Jeff Ulbrich problem. It's a organizational issue from the last 10 years that is rearing its ugly head. And the jets are dedicated to trying to get a fix. If this defense is still struggling next year, then we can talk. But this year's issues are not a Jeff Holbrook issue. Positive Cano, by the way, I I wasn't sure. I feel like the first 
the A block, we'll call it, when we were talking about Zach Wilson, I think positive Kano survives because of that before you went off on the defense. So people have said that, you know, I think my defense rant was even positive. Like they suck, but they suck. I mean, we knew they were going to suck. Like Jack Stala was, by the way, on my uh, on my uh, Halo watch party on Twitch last night. We're doing a Halo playthrough. I know Tim's got a baby now, so we can't play Halo with us. But uh, does Tim uh, does Michael have um, uh, Halo? Does he have an Xbox? No, he's more of like a sports video game kind of guy. Never but played. Halo? Maybe in the off season when he has uh, some more time, you can get him into. Oh, although the after the wedding, away, I need. I yeah, he, he needs <laughs> to like really. But isn't the wet? The wedding's like a week after the season. Oh yeah. no, a week after the Super Bowl. Yeah, two we're weeks dropping after the. the Super we're dropping Bowl. the Hopefully location it's the week and date after here the on the chat. Season, we're going to see how many people show up. The no. Browns have some work to do if they're going to be playing the week the week before your Super Bowl, the week before your wedding. Yeah, um, he he needs to really start uh, helping with that uh, stuff. So no video games. Super Bowl now. or the wedding? Both. Both. <laughs> yeah. um, um, all right. I want so, two here's rings. A, wait, wait, Marissa, I got a question. I have a question. Okay. Say the Browns win the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. and they schedule the Cleveland parade, parade on the day of your wedding. Well, I don't think I already. I accounted. think that's postpone worthy. No, I already accounted for all of this because well, yeah, for sure. Like you, you can would get would married. you would you post well, the parade though is always midweek. Simple, you ha- they you don't want to do that. You There's have to no way. The it, it's like two weeks later. There's no way the city of Cleveland would wait two weeks. What if for the that? city of Cleveland gets hit by like a torrential storm? <laughs> And, and like stuck. snowstorm, and there's like seven feet of snow, and they're like, "Well, we can't do the parade until Marissa's wedding day." I, I, like you would have to go. You would have to go to the Super Bowl. I would guess. Like you have yeah. to be on the float with him. No, I like mean, you can get married. I, I know, like you, I know we could get married woman, at any time. Like, of course, I totally agree. Yes. I am a very cool eventual wife, and 100 <laughs> percent would wife. would be like, we need to be on those floats. So, I have a second yes. request. Okay. I have a second request. What is if Michael, request? if they win the Super Bowl. If the Browns win the Super Bowl, Michael has to go full J.R. Smith. And from the moment they win the Super Bowl to the like after the parade, there's no shirt and he's wild child. <laughs> he would wild never. child Michael Dunn. He has he would, to he'd go viral. He'd be the most famous person in the world. He would, Are you kidding he me? He would never. Right, Tim, that would be awesome. There's a lot of ifs. He'd be a hero. Marissa, you and him would not pay for a meal in Cleveland the rest of your lives. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how many restaurants. Of course, you'd have to to stay in Cleveland Cleveland the rest of your life. Yeah, of course. That's that's the downside. Also, like, I don't think Cleveland has that many restaurants. I'm getting a I'm getting a call from the wedding DJ right now that I was supposed to call back last week, and I'm just realizing that I forgot. So, yes, lots to do, lots to do. But uh, we're gonna we're gonna I'm actually gonna text Michael now and tell him that if they win the Super Bowl, this is what's happening. (laughs) I'm gonna be his PR man. I'll be his. I can be his. I do. I will make him so famous. I will be his PR man. A hundred percent. He will be the most famous. Best should be starting, but second string guard in the in the world. His Madden rating will skyrocket, and the Jets will claim him because there you go. Like we don't, they don't need LDT. They need Michael Dunn. That's what they should have traded. They shouldn't have traded for LDT. I should actually talk to somebody about that. That was bullshit. I traded for Michael Dunn in my Madden league, and I haven't lost yet. So yeah. Anyway, all right. On. Back to the Jets. Back to business, and that is the draft. So the Jets still in control of the fourth and fifth picks, although they flipped. The Jets moving up to fourth. Seattle with their victory. Stupid Seahawks with their victory. Moving back to fifth and spoiling my picks for the week. Um, More news from the draft, though. As expected, Oregon defensive end Kayvon Thibodeau declaring for the draft on Monday. He won't play in Oregon's bowl game, so no risk of an injury there. Why would you play in the bowl game when your head coach already left and isn't going to be coaching it? College football 
Ugh. But anyway, That's back dumb, to the Jets. The they, should, they should finish out the season. Like, Brian Kelly should finish out the season with Notre Dame. Yes. Like, NFL, like, when coordinators are getting interest, they still finish the season. I think they, they like, shouldn't be allowed to a job. He's like, take the new Peace. job until. Yeah there, yeah, there should be some sort of thing where you can't accept the new position until just do it after, after the year wait till everyone's done or once you're yeah. eliminated do it well you can't you yeah. can't you can't interview for a job until your bowl game is over that's my new rule aside from I being my actually... PR person i'm gonna run college football as like rule office i mean the college football nca a college football commissioner and that's my rule i like it when so when when these college players started bailing on the bowl games like what five years say i don't know maybe it was 10 years no, ago it was, uh, mccaffrey point. i think was the first one i remember doing yeah it. i was Christian like you know you, you're leaving your leaving your teammates you know up in the air but the, I, i've totally switched because first of all if you're not in the playoff at this point the bowl the games are shit. so stupid i'm sorry yeah. if there's still purists out there but i'm so over bowl season um like, maryland is playing in the pinstripe bowl that is like my dream come true and I've wanted it since. Oh, I why? Was that's a-, a Yankee Stadium. Yes, yeah. my two dream. Well, it it really stinks because I've wanted this my whole life, basically. Since you realize that in order to get to why the pinstripe bowl, you have to go like six and six. Well, like it doesn't mean your team's even Virginia good if you're Tech. playing in the pinstripe bowl. Yes, they're playing Virginia Tech, who I have a few cousins that went to Virginia Tech, so we have some rivalry at Yankee Stadium. I'm potentially going, but um, I will be home you? for Christmas because I have. I will be. I'm coming home for Christmas, and then you better not say you're be podcast. No, I, I, I. It's a busy time of year, Connor. I don't know yet. TBD. So no, we're gonna get Marissa to the pinstripe bowl. Get that started. Okay. Do you have get tickets? Trending. Well, I'm sure. Okay, we're I'm trending. sure. I'm sure. Um, hopefully you don't my think that's gonna be a hot could... ticket? Maryland versus Virginia Tech <laughs> at Yankee Stadium in yeah, the freezing cold. Maybe you think not. there might be some seats available? Yeah, we'll see if I'm back in Cleveland or not. But if I'm in the New Jersey, New York area, I will 100. Fly home. Fly home for the day, and then fly home. Well, at I'm night. flying home for Christmas. You're a senior podcast that. producer now. Just expense it. Oh my God! And Connor's tweeting. Like, what are we doing here, Connor? This is getting off the rails. <laughs> Okay. I don't even know what I was going to go with the draft other than to say the Jets still <laughs> picking four and five. And as expected, Thibodeau is available. I will say, I guess there's no chance Hutchison falls to the Jets because the Lions are going to take him 100%, right? I mean, he's the Michigan star. Michigan is wins the Big Ten. They're going to the playoff. This guy's one of the best players in the country, and the Lions have the number one pick. There's no way he they don't take him, right? But then they're the Lions. Yeah, I, I think that what I'm going back and forth on, we are, I was actually talking to, uh, to DJ about this um, either before the game or one of the practices last week, whenever Alabama just uh, uh, put the whooping on um, uh, the game. I was talking about the game. Yeah. When he put, they put, how about that, man? I'll tell you yeah. what though. I wish well, they had more to play me. for than Georgia. Yeah. But I, I was really wishing that Alabama lost to Auburn and then beat Georgia just for the hysteria. Like, could you imagine if they lost to Auburn and then beat Georgia like that? You can't put Georgia in the playoffs, not Alabama. So then it's going to just be, be absolute complete hysteria. But uh, the two, I think that the Jets want a number one X receiver. Like they do genuinely want that. And I think Devontae Adams, if he hits free agency and they could somehow lure, lure him here, I think he would be the perfect player to pair with Corey Davis. Then you have Elijah Moore working in the slot and outside. I mean, Devontae Adams, Corey Davis, Elijah Moore with Keelan Cole as like your fourth guy or even Denzel Mims in the mix. I mean, that one, two, three punch literally gives the Jets the potential to be one of the best receiving cores in the NFL outside of maybe the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Well, definitely the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and maybe the Kansas city chiefs. I mean, that one, two, three punch would be absolutely ridiculous. Now 
I think that Devontae Adams either going to get tagged or he's just going to go wherever Aaron Rodgers goes. But if he says, I'm going to go wherever, whoever pays me the most money, he's the player that you go and pay the most money without a doubt. But assuming that doesn't happen, I think the Jets need to go get themselves a number one receiver in, in, in the draft. I mean, I do genuinely believe they need an X. If that's what I could totally see is you go either Hutchinson or that kid from Thibodeau, the kid from Oregon with one of those first round picks and you go Jamison Williams, the Alabama junior 6'2, 189, 68 catches, 1400 yards, 15 touchdowns this year. You draft him as your other first round pick and you suddenly have Williams Davis Moore, And then you've got the pass rusher to add to the mix as well. And then you can circle back with that high second round, your own second round pick or a high second round pick and draft a guard or a tackle and keep building out that offensive line and things like that. So uh, that's my personal opinion. And and I'm, I'm all aboard now with DJ where I like this, look, this receiving class isn't as good as last year. Like I don't think Williams is as good as Devonta Smith. I don't think Williams is as good as chase. Like you're not going to get that type of a player. But if you view Jamison Williams as a legitimate, no doubt, number one receiver who is a, you know, 90 catch, 1300 yard, 10 touchdown guy in the NFL, you draft him and add him to this offense because that's what this team really is missing is a true X as you go out there and get it. And you go Williams and a pass rusher or cornerback, but that's a pass rusher or cornerback with your first first round pick. Williams with your second first round pick in the second round, you go with a, an, I would go two offensive linemen, tackle and guard, round out that offensive line and then just go BPA the rest of the way. Yeah, that's the dream. I, I don't think Thibodeau or Hutchison are there for them if they're picking four or five. Maybe they will be. Who knows? I mean, there's a chance, but we'll, they, they would need somebody to trade up for a quarterback. Like that's yeah, that's what point. happened when you have those players. But is that quarter that quarterback doesn't exist to trade up for though? Correct. But it, this yeah. is also the NFL draft. I mean, who would have thought a kid from BYU was going to be the second overall <laughs> pick point. in the draft? Like you know, Fair. six months uh, a year ago. So. Um, what you're going to need to have happen is some quarterback has a big bowl game. People go batshit crazy over uh, a pro day and the combine and the interview process and things like that. And then somebody to trade up and that pushes everything down. Cause when you find players like Smith, like Devonta Smith, the Eagles getting Devonta Smith in the teens, you know what I mean? Or, or maybe it was 11 when they drafted him. I can't remember when you find those players falling to that spot in the draft, it means there's a run on quarterbacks, which there was when you had Lawrence go one, then Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, all these guys, Justin Fields, all those guys go to push everyone down. That's usually what happens. So the jets are going to need somebody to say like, I need this quarterback trade up and get it. And that pushes them down. So that's, that's what they're going to need to have happen. But if not, Stingley is going to be there. Williams is going to be there. There's a good amount of offensive tackles in this draft as well. So there's going to be, there's going to be serious options. And again, everyone and their uncle, Tim, you and I included, talks about the two first round picks. The Jets also have the Panthers second round pick and their own second round pick. So their second round pick organically is going to be top five. The Panthers has a chance to be top 10. I mean, the Jets had like this draft coming up. I'm going to write a columns coming on this next week. You know, trying to already plan ahead, but uh, this draft that is coming for Joe Douglas and the dread on the Jets, this will be franchise altering because this draft these picks this year, both in 2021 and 2022, this two-year stretch will be the reason why the Jets are a Super Bowl contender in two years or why Robert Solid, Joe Douglas are fired and the Jets are in another five-year slump. Like this, these two drafts will be franchise altering with one with with polar opposite results, either for the extreme great or the extreme bad. There's no in-between with the amount of picks these guys have. 
Yeah, it's a fascinating time to to be a fan. And I, I think the off season is going to be a lot more interesting than the season at this point. That's fair to say. We will continue, though, on with the Zach Wilson watch, the grading, the previewing of the next stuff. Saints coming up this week. Uh, we'll get you ready for that later on this week when we're back with the podcast. You can save 33% off a subscription to The Athletic by going to theathletic.com slash can't wait. We'll talk to you again later this week, everyone.